0: Chapter Three: Tales of Lonely Trails by Zane Grey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three: Roping Lions in the Grand Canyon, Part Nine. One by one, my companions sought their blankets, leaving the shadows, the dying embers, the slow rising moan of the night wind to me. Old Mose got up from among the other hounds and limped into my tent, where I heard him groan as he lay down. Dawn, sounder and ranger were fast asleep in well-earned rest shep one of the pups whined and impatiently tossed his short chain remembering that he had not been loose all day i unbuckled his collar and let him go he licked my hand stretched and shook himself lifted his shapely sleek head and sniffed the wind he trotted around the circle cast by the fire and looked out into the darkening shadows. It was plain that Shep's instincts were developing fast. He was ambitious to hunt, but sure in my belief that he was afraid of the black night and would stay in camp, I went to bed. The Navajo who slept with me snored serenely, and Mose growled in his dreams. The wind swept through the pines with an intermittent rush some time in the after part of the night i heard a distant sound remote mournful wild it sent a chill creeping over me borne faintly to my ears it was a fit accompaniment to the moan of the wind in the pines it was not the cry of a trailing wolf nor the lonesome howl of a prowling coyote nor the strange low sound like a cough of a hunting cougar though it had a semblance of all three it was the bay of a hound, thinned out by distance, and it served to keep me wide awake. But for a while, what with the roar and swell of the wind and navvy snores, I could hear it only at long intervals. Still, in the course of an hour, I followed the sound, or imagined so, from a point straight in line with my feet to one at right angles with my head. Finally, deciding it came from Shep, and, fancying he was trailing a deer or coyote, I tried to go to sleep again. In this I would have succeeded had not, all at once, our captive lions begun to growl. That ominous low murmuring awoke me with a vengeance, for it was unusual for them to growl in the middle of the night. I wondered if they, as well as the pup, had gotten the scent of a prowling lion. I reached down to my feet and groped in the dark for Moe's. Finding him, I gave him a shake. The old gladiator groaned, stirred, and came out of what must have been dreams of hunting meat. He slapped his tail against my bed. As luck would have it, just then the wind abated to a soft moan, and clear and sharp came the bay of a hound. Mose heard it, for he stopped wagging his tail, his body grew tense under my hand, and he vented his low, deep grumble i lay there undecided to wake my companions was hardly to be considered and to venture off into the forest alone where old sultan might be scouting was not exactly to my taste and trying to think what to do and listening for the bay of the pup and hearing mostly the lions growling and the wind roaring i fell asleep hey are you ever going to get up Someone yelled into my drowsy brain i roused and opened my eyes the yellow, flickering shadows on the wall of my tent told me that the sun had long risen. I found my companions finishing breakfast. The first thing I did was to look over the dogs. Shep, the black-and-white pup, was missing. "'Where's Shep?' I asked. "'Sure I ain't seen him this morning,' replied Jim. Thereupon I told what I had heard during the night. "'Everybody listen,' said Jones.' we quieted down and sat like statues a gentle cool breeze barely moving the pine tips had succeeded the night wind the sound of horses munching their oats and an occasional clink rattle and growl from the lions did not drown the faint but unmistakable yelps of a pup south toward the canyon said jim as jones got up now it'd be funny if that little shep just to get even with me for tying him up so often has treed a lion all by himself commented jones and i'll bet that's just what he's done he called the hounds about him and hurried westward toward the forest sure it might be jim shook his head knowingly i reckon it's only a rabbit but anything might happen in this place "'I finished breakfast and went into my tent for something—I forget what, for wild yells from Emmett and Jim brought me flying out again. "'Listen to that!' cried Jim, pointing west. The hounds had opened up. Their full, wild chorus floated clearly on the breeze, and above it Jones's stentorian yell signalled us. "'Sure the old man can yell,' continued Jim. "'Grab your lassos and hump yourselves. I've got the collar and chain.' come on navvy shouted Emmett. he grasped the indian's wrist and started to run jerking navvy into the air at every jump i caught up my camera and followed we crossed two shallow hollows and then saw the hounds and jones among the pines not far ahead in my excitement i outran my companions and dashed into an open glade first i saw jones waving his long arms next the dogs noses upward and don actually standing on his hind legs then a dead pine with a well-known tawny shape outlined against the blue sky hurrah for shep i yelled and right vigorously did my comrades join in it's another female said jones when we calmed down and fair-sized that's the best tree for our purpose that i ever saw a lion in so spread out boys surround her and keep noisy navvy broke from emmet at this juncture and ran away but evidently overcome by curiosity he stopped to hide behind a bush from which i saw his black head protruding when jones swung himself on the first stubby branch of the pine the lioness some fifteen feet above leaped to another limb and the one she had left cracked swayed and broke it fell directly upon jones the blunt end striking his head and knocking him out of the tree Fortunately, he landed on his feet. Otherwise, there would surely have been bones broken. He appeared stunned and reeled so that Emmett caught him. The blood poured from a wound in his head. This sudden shock sobered us instantly. On examination, we found a long, jagged cut in Jones's scalp. We bathed it with water from my canteen, and with snow Jim procured from a nearby hollow, eventually stopping the bleeding.' I insisted on Jones coming to camp to have the wound properly dressed, and he insisted on having it bound with a bandana, after which he informed us that he was going to climb the tree again. We objected to this. Each of us declared his willingness to go up and rope the lion, but Jones would not hear of it. "'I'm not doubting your courage,' he said. "'It's only that you cannot tell what move the lion would make next, and that's the danger.' We could not gainsay this, and as not one of us wanted to kill the animal or let her go, Jones had his way. So he went up the tree, passed the first branch and then another. The lioness changed her position, growled, spat, clawed the twigs, tried to keep the tree trunk between her and Jones, and at length got out on a branch in a most favorable position for roping— the first cast of the lasso did the business and jim and Emmett, with nimble fingers tied up the hounds coming shouted jones he slid down hand over hand on the rope the lioness holding his weight with apparent ease make your noose ready he yelled to Emmett. i had to drop my camera to help jones and jim pull the animal from her perch the branches broke in a shower then the lioness hissing snarling whirling plunged down she nearly jerked the rope out of our hands but we lowered her to emett who noosed her hind paws in a flash make fast your rope shouted jones there that's good now let her down easy as soon as the lioness touched the ground we let go the lasso which whipped up and over the branch she became a round yellow rapidly moving ball emett was the first to catch the loose lasso and he checked the rolling cougar jones leaped to assist him and the two of them straightened out the struggling animal while jim swung another noose at her on the second throw he caught a front paw pull hard stretch her out yelled jones he grasped a stout piece of wood and pushed it at the lioness she caught it in her mouth making the splinters fly jones shoved her head back on the ground and pressed his brawny knee on the bar of wood the collar the collar quick he called I threw chain and collar to him, which in a moment he had buckled around her neck. "'There, we've got her,' he said. "'It's only a short way over to camp, so we'll drag her without muzzling.' As he rose, the lioness lurched, and, reaching him, fastened her fangs in his leg. Jones roared. Emmett and Jim yelled, and I, though frightened, was so obsessed with the idea of getting a picture that I began to fumble with the shutter of my camera. "'Grab the chain! Pull her off!' bald jones i ran in took up the chain with both hands and tugged with all my might Emmet too had all his weight on the lasso round her neck between the two of us we choked her hold loose but she brought jones's leather legging in her teeth then i dropped the chain and jumped blankety blankety blank exploded jones to me do you think more of a picture than of saving my life having expressed this not unreasonable protest he untied the lasso that emmet had made fast to a small sapling then the three men forming points of a triangle around an animated centre began a march through the forest that for a variety of action and splendid vociferation beat any show i ever beheld so rare was it that the Navajo came out of his retreat and straightway, forgetting his reverence and fear, began to execute a ghost dance or war dance, or at any rate some kind of an Indian dance, along the sidelines. There were moments when the lioness had Jim and Jones on the ground and Emmett wobbling, others when she ran on her bound legs and chased the two in front and dragged the one behind, others when she came within an ace of getting her teeth in somebody— they had caught a tartar they dared not let her go and though jones evidently ordered it no one made fast his rope to a tree there was no opportunity she was in the air three parts of the time and the fourth she was invisible for dust the lassoes were each thirty feet long but even with that the men could just barely keep out of her reach then came the climax as it always comes in a lion hunt unerringly unexpectedly and with lightning swiftness the three men were nearing the bottom of the second hollow well spread out lassos taut facing one another Jones stumbled and the lioness leaped his way the weight of both brought jim over sliding and slipping with his rope slackening the leap of the lioness carried her within reach of jones and as he raised himself back toward her she reached a big paw for him just as emmett threw all his bull strength and bulk on his lasso the seat of Jones's trousers came away with the lion's claws. Then she fell backward, overcome by Emmett's desperate lunge. Jones sprang up with the velocity of an Arab tumbler, and his scarlet face, working spasmodically, and his moving lips, showed how utterly unable he was to give expression to his rage. I had a stitch in my side that nearly killed me, but laugh I had to, though I should die for it. No laughing matter was it for them. They volleyed and thundered back and forth, meaningless words, of which hell was the only one distinguishable, and probably the word that best described their situation. All the while, however, they had been running from the lioness, which brought them, before they realized it, right into camp. Our captive lions cut up fearfully at the hubbub, and the horses stampeded in terror." Whoa! yelled jones whether to his companions or to the struggling cougar no one knew but navvy thought jones addressed the cougar woe repeated navvy no savvy woe no savvy woe which proved conclusively that the navajo had understanding as well as wit soon we had another captive safely chained and growling away in tune with the others i went back to untie the hounds to find them sulky and out of sorts from being so unceremoniously treated they noisily trailed the lioness into camp where finding her chained they formed a ring around her thereafter the day passed in round the campfire chat and task for once, Jim looked at Navi with toleration. We dressed the wound in Jones's head and laughed at the condition of his trousers and at his awkward attempts to piece them. Mucha dam coogie, remarked Navi. No savvy woe. The lions growled all day, and Jones kept repeating, To think how Shep fooled me. End of chapter three, part nine.